What a privilege it is to be able to speak again this Sunday. And uh, I always, you know, whenever I come into to preaching, I, I do it with such seriousness, with such fear and trepidation, because it's God's Word. It's God's Word. And I want to do His words justice. And I think this morning... Uh, I just think that time of worship was just so powerful. Thank you so much. Because it makes this transition into this word so much smoother, and it prepares our hearts. Let's, let's begin in the word of prayer. Jesus, you are here. Your spirit is here. You are here, God. God, our hearts are open to the words this morning. God, may we be changed and transformed. And may what we, what we learn this Sunday, God, what we take in, may, us, may we live it, act it, and tell others. In your name we pray. Amen. In a kind of a recap, last Sunday at GVC, we looked at the question of, God, who do you think you are, as he, in light of the story of Job, my life, and the absoluteness of God? And we realize that God is good in all circumstances and situations. And that he's in control of even the most minute of details. Moreover, not only does he love us, but he cares deeply. He cares so deeply that he steps out of the infinite to the finite of time and space through his son, Jesus Christ. And it's this part where we're going to look this morning. We're going to be looking at the New Testament and more specifically at Jesus' questions to his disciples and how it pertains to us and our personal faith. And if you're looking for a bit of a roadmap, it's kind of like this. What does the world say about Jesus? What does his disciples say about him? And what do we say about Jesus? You're going to need your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you, they're on the sides there. Um, and you're going to be, we're going to be digging through and stopping. It's going to be a bit like a new driver. Stop, start, go fast, go. So we're going to be going back and forth a little bit. And we speak, turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And before we get into the main question, Jesus poses a question to his disciples. And in verse 13, it says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And what's interesting is that he first calls himself the Son of Man. And this is a term that Jesus uses a lot in the Gospels. And the Coles Note version of this, like the, the short version of this, is that he's referring to his overall humanity. Jesus was a human. A living, talking being. And the Bible wants us to realize that he was fully human. It also means maybe a little bit more. And maybe for some of those people that were around Jesus, they may have really got the inference or the connection to Daniel chapter 7. The reference of a son of man being a very glorious and exalted figure that will one day return. Christ, may some people may have caught that reference. But Jesus was really being explicit about his human nature and his role in this world. And we pick this question up really as a part of his ministry where he's performed many miracles. He's healed people. 
He's walked on water. He's casted out demons. He's raised the dead. He's fed thousands of people and so much more. And the disciples have been around Jesus for all of this. They've seen it all. They've experienced it all. And Jesus wants to hear the account from his disciples. Essentially, he's just saying, what, what do people think of me? And it's probably something we've done ourselves. I know when I was dating Dina, I would kind of ask Dina's friends, so what's the verdict? Is it good? Is it bad? Am I good enough for her? And you kind of get a feeling for it. Jesus begins to set the stage up, though, for his real question. And he's asking this questions almost to get them ready. We do this in school sometimes. We do like this warm-up, or we do bell work. It's called bell work. To get kids' minds thinking about the real question. What's the real question? It's a primer question. And what does Jesus' disciples respond with? Well, in verse 14, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. The disciples' response was that people in general feel that he's a prophet. And what's interesting, if you read the account of the triumphal entry, later on when Jesus is coming in, in Matthew, you can turn there quickly, in Matthew 21, verse 10, it says, The entire city of Jerusalem was in uproar as he entered. Who is this? Who is this person? And the crowds replied, It is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The Pharisees and Sadducees saw him as a threat. Somebody who was going to change their way of life. They called him demon, blasphemer. And even though... They said all these things. And even though people are saying he's a prophet, he's a, this person who's just come, not really has much, not much has changed. You see, our world says very similar things about Jesus. And according to a state of theology survey, and this is a, a pretty cool thing, there's a lot of like different surveys, and this is an American stat. A couple of questions popped out at me. And the first question was, it's basically a general statement. Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. True or false? And 53% of Americans believe this statement to be true. That he was just a great teacher. With another 11% unsure, 64% of Americans believe this of Jesus. He's just a good teacher. In this statement, Jesus is the first and greatest being created, created by God. 55% believe that was true, with another 11% unsure. 66%, basically. Many would say that Jesus is simply just a good person. In a recent interview, Jew, Jewish uh, apologist Ben Shapiro stated that Jesus was just a Jewish guy that tried to start a revolution and got himself killed for it. Maybe you've heard in your own circles what people feel about Jesus. It's simply just not enough to believe he was a good person, a prophet, a wise man. Jesus is someone that we cannot just mold men to into something that we want him to be 
or someone that conforms to the current trends of this world. But the world's viewpoint hasn't even changed that much. You see, in 1952, C.S. Lewis said this about Jesus, to clarify in mere Christianity, he says, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying a really foolish thing that people often say about him. I am ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I do not claim, accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be a devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open for us. He did not intend to. Moreover, church, people are searching for something that's more than just a good person. More than just a prophet. More than a liar or a lunatic. They are searching for someone that, well, they're searching for Jesus. The real Jesus. And with that, we move forward to the real question. Jesus turns to the disciples in verse 15. It says this. Then they asked him, but who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? He's asking the ones that have been in his presence, the one who have experienced Jesus, not as someone who they view from the sideline, but somebody that they have experienced. He's asking those who have dropped everything and followed him, his disciples, And it's fine for the disciples to know what others thought about Jesus, but Jesus had to ask them as individuals, what do you believe? What do you believe? And definitely a different tone, a personal question. And some would say that his question, this I am statement, is affirming his divine nature. In the question. And Peter responds to the group, for the group. And we look at this in verse 16. Simon Peter, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And other versions may say Messiah, which is a Hebrew term. Christ is a Greek term, but both meaning anointed one. Jesus the anointed one, Jesus, the Messiah. And Peter's response is right on. For somebody who messed up so many times, he gets this one right. He gets it right. And Jesus, on this statement, declares that he will build his church upon this confession and that all the forces of evil will be unable to stand before the mighty power 
of the church that is built upon such a foundation. Church, when we build our foundation on the fact that Jesus is the Messiah and the King, it is a firm foundation. It is a solid rock foundation. It is a cornerstone foundation. It is not on sinking sand, but on a rock, a firm foundation. And it is this statement of faith that makes all the difference in the world. You see, as Christians, it is our core principle that sets Christianity apart from every other religion is that our belief that supreme God incarnate lived among us and through his vast love died upon a cross, rose again that we may be forgiven and become heirs to his kingdom. It is a game changer. It is not enough, church. It is not enough to confine Jesus to some sort of limitations to what others believe or the world believes, but instead put our faith in this solid foundation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the living God, the Messiah. We need to be transformed by who He is, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and turn transform the thinking of this world through His Spirit. One theologian put it this way. When Jesus is just a good man, a good teacher, even a good prophet, he's completely acceptable. Mormons, Muslims alike love Jesus. Hindus and Buddhists are very happy with Jesus as long as he's just a teacher who offers sage wisdom, then Jesus is just fine. The minute you step across that line, and argue that Jesus is more than, pro- more than a prophet, more than a teacher, but he's actually God incarnate, God with us now. All of a sudden, those who are willing to gather with you will scatter. It is a defining statement. People love Jesus the prophet, Jesus the sage, Jesus the hallmark moment, but it's tougher to follow the same Jesus that affirms his equality with God. It's a fact. And in a strange turn of events, in verse 20, (laughs) it says this, and I've wrestled with this. Jesus then then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone he's the Messiah. That's weird. They got it right. But he's like, don't tell anybody. Don't say it. Don't say it yet. Don't say it yet. We need to remember that we are coming to the end of Jesus' ministry on earth. And he's aware of what people are looking for in the time and in day. They're looking for a Messiah. They're looking for somebody who's going to overthrow the Roman government. They're looking for that would be a Messiah that would be in control and lead the Jews to freedom. And that would be based on a misunderstanding about what and who the Messiah came to do on earth. And Jesus does not want that. And just because they answer correctly, they still have a lot to learn. They still have a lot to learn. They have so much to learn that right after this passage, Jesus does this. In verse 20, he says this. 
Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone, sorry, tell anyone who, that he was the Messiah. Sorry, sorry, verse 24. And then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him. Forsaking everything to follow him. You see, answering the question is one thing. To live as a disciple is another. Interestingly enough, we can turn forward to Matthew chapter 19. And it says this. There's a man who comes, a man of great wealth. Jesus, what do I need to do? And he's done all these amazing things. And Jesus says, sell everything and follow me. Because that's really what it is when Jesus is the Messiah of your life. And what is this? how does the story end? He walks away sad. He walked away. He had many possessions. He went away sad. What do we say about Jesus? You see, it's the question that Jesus asks us on a daily basis. It is a question that we need to be aware of every day. But what do we believe? And what we believe affects how we live each day. It affects our growth process as a Christian. Do we really believe that Jesus is the Messiah? In church, we live in a time where we have the whole picture. We have the whole picture. We've got the Bible. We've got the Holy Spirit. And we've got the promise that he's going to come back. We've got the whole picture. We know how it works out. The disciples didn't. The disciples didn't know what was going to happen. They still thought Jesus was joking around, I think, about whether or not he'd be crucified. So what do we feel? I don't know. Can we get that Mentimeter slide up? Let's just see what some people say, said about Jesus. Awesome. King. Savior. God. Redeemer. Role model. Teacher. Lord. Priest. Love. It's the most important question. King of kings. Holy. Lover of my soul. Comforter. Healer. Prayer buddy. Light of the world. All these things are true of Jesus. All these things are true of Jesus. But ultimately, I can't answer the question for you. Personally, in your soul, what do you say about Jesus? Is he Lord of your life? Is he just a great teacher? Is he a prophet? Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Maybe you are here on the fence about who Jesus is. Maybe you're online and you're just watching now and you're not sure about this Jesus person that we've sung about, that we've experienced. Let me tell you, there is a cloud of witness here in this church. There are people who have been with Jesus through highs and lows, and they will tell you that he is Savior, King, and Redeemer. There are people here that have experienced Jesus Christ. 
And maybe you're here and you're being swayed and pulled around by these ideas and thoughts of how society views him as some sort of weird alien, as some sort of person that was just here to stir up trouble. And maybe you're getting pulled around. But you're not seeing Jesus through the lens of Scripture, through the lens of his church, through the lens of his spirit. And I'm asking you this morning, will you not come back and refocus your heart and lives and make Jesus your King and Savior? I want to tell you this, not to scare you, not to scare you, but one day he's coming back. He's going to come back. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Each one of us, sinner or saint, will stand before him. Who do you say I am? I'm going to leave you with this challenge this morning. Are you willing to claim that Jesus as Lord and Savior and submit your life to him on a daily, on a daily basis as living sacrifices? Are you willing to be with Jesus? To have a personal relationship in God's presence? Are you willing to become like Jesus? Allowing Jesus to transform your character and grow and operate in the gifts of the fruit of the Spirit? And are you able or are you willing to behave like Jesus? Follow Jesus' example and as we outwardly care for the world around us as an expression of God's love and action. Who is Jesus to you this morning? Bow your heads as we close in prayer. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. Holy Spirit, speak to our lives this morning. God, for those who don't know you, who are on the fence about this Jesus person, Jesus, will you reveal yourself to them through your Spirit? For those of us here this morning, Jesus, that have lost focus and replaced you with something else, Jesus, will you become Lord of our life again? Will we confess you as Lord again? Jesus, the challenge of our church, Jesus, of Grand Valley Church, God, will we be ambassadors for you in our community, in our city, with our friends, with our families. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to close with a benediction this morning. If you do want prayer this morning, I would be more than happy to pray with you. But I'm going to close with this. Romans 12 says this. Because, folks, we all stumble, we all fall. And sometimes in my life, Jesus is not number one. I can tell you right now. I put stuff always in front of Jesus. It happens. But I'm encouraged by this. In Romans 12, it says this. 12 verse 1, it says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, 
I plead with you, give back your bodies to, be, to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you anew. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Go this morning as living sacrifices. Amen.